This is the Getsy Health Podcast with Janique and Tristan Roney. Hey guys, before we get started on this episode, um, we just want to mention a few things. First, content warning. We are talking about cancer, and mm-hmm. for some people that all by itself can be a little bit triggering. But more specifically, as we get into talking about, this is an interview with Monica Draper, who has this incredible story about healing from cancer. We don't want you to get the wrong idea, though. Mm -hmm. What we want you to understand is that everyone's path is different. Everyone's cancer journey is different. So what she did isn't necessarily right for you or for a loved one that you know. Uh, Please take really good care of yourselves emotionally throughout this episode. It's one of my favorite episodes we have recorded, but we do want to be really sensitive to um, your experiences and not put cancer in a box and not tell everyone that everyone fits in this box. We never want to do that to you. We never want you to feel that way. We want you to always um, approach your journey from a really authentic space. One thing we will adamantly say to everybody, no matter what type of cancer treatment you decide to pursue, is that it needs to come from you. And and by you, I mean actually the cancer patient. But Mm -hmm. you consult with the people around you, right? Your doctors, your loved ones, whatever other people you decide to consult with. But that's all they are is consultants. They are not decision makers. Exactly. Ultimately, it, it needs to come from you and it needs to be something you feel good about. Exactly. And the feeling good about being the key part there. So never feel like you don't have power or say in your journey. Your doctors need to be on board with you and your plan. And like Tristan said, they're just consultants. Um, You're the one that should be calling the shots always. That's right. You don't let anybody take your power from you, including us. Exactly. So we really hope you enjoy this episode. We really enjoyed recording it. All right. See ya. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Gutsy Health Podcast. Welcome to another episode. Um, We have a fantastic uh, lineup for you today because our guest speaker today is Monica Draper, and she has an incredible, incredible story that she, like, she needs you guys to hear. Well, I need you guys to hear. We we, really want you to hear it. Because we, we we met on Instagram, right? Yeah. Okay. And you you started telling me a little bit about your story. And, and then I was like, you need, like, we need to do a podcast on this. Yeah. That's how it went down, right? Uh-huh. Okay. So I think we've only really exchanged like 10 interactions. Right. right. <laughs> but I was but like, I feel like I really know you guys. Yeah. Well, when you walked in the house, I'm like, I like, you feel familiar to me. Yeah. And maybe it's because of the interactions online. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, but, but we're best friends now. So we are. It's all good. I feel like yeah. some romantic music should start playing in the background. <laughs> well, okay. So within those 10 interactions, um, please tell everyone what it is about your story that is just so wow that we need every nitty gritty detail of it today. So um, when I was about five years old, my mom started feeling like there was something wrong with me. I had no visible signs of anything, but Mm -hmm. for five years she kept making doctors do every test she could think of. And then one morning when I was 10, so about 25 years ago in October, she woke up and told my dad, it's her thyroid. Something's wrong with her thyroid. Wow. And the doctors immediately were like, that doesn't make any sense. They're, she's too young for thyroid issues. But my mom forced them 
to do mm-hmm. testing. And immediately we get a call from primary children saying, you've got to get her up here tomorrow. Wow. When we get up to here, they, they tell my parents, oh, we'll just do a biopsy. It's probably nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically my thyroid globulin levels and TSH, all of them are just completely out of whack, like in the thousands. Like wow. just, and so they thought, well, it, it can't be that bad. They got in and it was supposed to be a half hour biopsy. Ended up oh being a 19 hour surgery. <gasps> what? Oh my. Yeah. My parents had no clue what was happening because they didn't even have time to come out and tell my parents. Like, Oh my gosh. They just immediately brought in surgeons and- they were like about, I think it was about six hours into surgery. They finally came out and told my parents what was happening. So my mom and dad were just like freaking out. So there was no like informed consent or anything. They're like, Uh we're just doing this without permission. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. So I, what what happened? So what was going on? They got in there. They went in to do the biopsy. And as soon as they took it, they could see that there was cancer. And so they just opened me up. And as soon as they opened me up, Initially, what they told my parents is the scar will be like an inch. Mm-hmm. Well, if you were to look at my neck now, I've got three gigantic, almost side to side wow, um, scars because they had to get down into my chest. They had to get, I mean, they scraped my voice box, vocal cords, everything because there was just cancer everywhere. Are you serious? Oh. So what? it had already spread well it beyond spread the everywhere. And you guys yeah. need to know, like thyroid cancer in kids is extremely rare. Like it, doesn't happen. Like at that time, they had no record ever of anyone younger than like, I think it was like 25 or something. Unbelievable. That had wow. had cancer. Yikes. Like mine. Wow. And um, so what were the symptoms that you were having that your mom picked up on? And this is what I try to like, you guys, intuition, mom's intuition, do not dumb that down ever because you guys are a lot smarter and more in tune than you realize. So what was it that your mom kept picking up over five years? She said she would literally just look at me outside playing and just get this sick feeling in her stomach. Wow. incredible. For five years, she's like, I was never sick. I was never a sickly child. I didn't even get colds because I was like healthy, Mm -hmm. so to speak. I have goosebumps all over my body right now. Like that's amazing. Something to know here, if if you as a mother spend five years telling people there's something wrong with my child and they can't find anything wrong with your child, they are going to think the most terrible things yeah. about you, right? Bingo. Munchausen by proxy Bingo. is what comes e- to mind. Everybody would tell my mom, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. You need to calm down. We need to put you on medication. Wow. You know, and she was like, no, I just, no. I mean, it, it wasn't with any of my other siblings. It was mm-hmm. literally just me mm-hmm. and- when they found it, they basically said, you know, had it even been another month, there it would have been inoperable. Like there would have yeah. been no way to even take a stab at this. Yeah. Wow. So one of my uh, followers on Instagram sent me a an article on how doctors are now screening for, and they call it abusive moms, like medically abusive moms, because mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. saying that moms that use like um, big medical words and are constantly like worried about their child's health. Like they're calling those moms abusive. So basically if you like to be educated on what's happening with your health and the health of your children, and if you are willing to stand up to the medical establishment, Mm -hmm. you get a big red flag. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're not being protective. I think Uh my mom was like the leading mother on that though, because if you were to read my medical files, Mm -hmm. which I have like now that I'm older, you know, I read them all when I was in my twenties Yeah, and over and over they say 
like how crazy my mom is, how she's wow. going to kill me, how her persistence. Are in you like, serious? Oh yeah. Like that. Jeez. So Bless her heart. So seriously. what happened was my surgery, you know, went well, I guess. And, but they basically said she'll never be able to talk. Wow. She'll be lucky to move her neck. Like what? just very basic living things were not going to happen anymore. Wow. Because they had scraped everything so deeply and mm-hmm. I mean, had to get really in there. And so immediately after surgery, I remember waking up and looking at the clock and I thought it was like seven hours later because of yeah. the time, Yeah, but it was 19 hours later. And I said, I looked up at my dad and I was like, what time is it? Mm-hmm. And they just started crying and, oh. you know, cause I was talking like, cause my mom wow. and dad kept saying, yeah. she's, she's going to be fine. She's going to be fine. And like, yeah. I remember going into the biopsy, having the intuitive feeling that I'm going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And I kept telling my mom, you don't need to cry. I'll be fine. Yeah. You and were 10. I was 10. <laughs> I Jeez. never once cried about it because I remember just having this sense of peace of this is just something you have to go through to help other people eventually. Amazing. And, you know, God bless my mom she goes full force into research. Yeah. And yeah. we had about, I think it was about two months for like, for my body to try to heal from surgery before my first radiation treatment. Mm-hmm. And my mom back then, 25 years ago, you would just take a radioactive pill. It didn't matter how big you were, how much you weighed, how tall you were, whatever. So yeah. I was, I, they were going to dose me with the same amount that like a 300 pound, six foot four man would get right and yeah. i was four feet two because mm-hmm. i was super abnormally small because my thyroid hadn't been working mm-hmm. and like 80 pounds yeah. you know and so my mom comes into my first radiation treatment and says you're gonna split that pill in thirds amazing you're gonna give it to her and then we're gonna sh- hit it again in four weeks wow so what they wanted to do was a one treatment every three months yeah. and my mom said no Mm, you're going to split it up and you're going to do thirds. So how did the doctors react to her doing that? Yeah. They were pissed. Of course they were. were. You don't know what you're talking about. This isn't going to work. Yeah. Like we have one shot to save her and you're going to ruin that. Wow. And sorry, you probably already said this, but this is like 1995. 1994 was when it first started. Yeah. So in the nineties. Yeah. Not not that long ago, really. So not that long ago, but long enough ago that it was still not normal for people to even try to stand up to the medical professionals. Your mom was way ahead of the game. Like way unbelievable and like trying to do research back in the 90s i know how do you do no, that <laughs> no internet really you have to like, live at the geez. library or something yeah, exactly right? i mean and you know my mom's from argentina and was raised around very holistically based mm-hmm. um practices like her family was wealthy they had you know a lot of access to a lot of things but they were raised very like clean living like yeah. I mean, all the things she was raised around a lot of gypsies. So there was a lot of different wow. Eastern medicine so practices cool. in her life. Yeah. Like oils, like were huge already for her yeah. clean eating, like juicing. Yeah. And so when I got sick, I mean, 
bless my mother's heart, she would spend three hours a morning juicing yeah. because back then it wasn't easy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they didn't have fancy machines. No. I think. <laughs> oh man. You know, I mean, everything was organic. My parents built a whole new house. Like mm-hmm. my wow. parents, when I got sick, by some act of God, had just retired in their thirties. Like wow. we were yeah. getting ready to move to Argentina. They had a couple mil in the bank. Like life was good. Yeah. Well, because my cancer was so rare, yeah. <laughs> the insurance companies were able to deny all the treatment. That's unbelievable. And so my parents went full fledged mm-hmm. into like, they built a new house yeah. to avoid as many carcinogens as possible. They removed, yeah. like we had no carpet in our house. We had the walls that were built out of like hay and, um, tires and like my wow. parents did all this crazy research of the ways to like eliminate, yeah. yeah, you know, toxins. Toxins. So, looking back, was that a blessing in disguise that you were denied treatments? Yeah. What do you think? Well, so my parents had to pay out of pocket every time there was a trial. Oh, any kind of treatment. So they still, okay. still so, did yeah. them. They still a, did them. Yeah. In case anyone out there still has this misguided belief that the insurance companies are here to protect us, this is evidence, right? Mm-hmm. A, a 10-year-old child is diagnosed with cancer. There is no question that this diagnosis is real. They've done the surgery and seen it. And the insurance company still weasels its way out of paying for the treatments. That's exactly what it is. It's weaseling. It's totally yeah, like weaseling. It's, like, absolutely like oh sorry too bad it's, because this is so rare it's not like deny it. it's not yeah. like monica's parents had fallen behind on their insurance premiums yeah. or that they were trying to do something really weird and out of the mainstream yeah it was simply that this was a rare diagnosis that was not in an official book somewhere and so they said sorry guys you're on your own with yeah. this one this we're gonna let a 10 year old child die yeah and like I literally remember walking into treatments and my dad having to turn over his credit card before wow. they would take me back oh my because gosh. they knew like they weren't going to get paid by the insurance company. Yeah. And this was of well, course in the days before GoFundMe. So exactly. it's not like your parents could put up a page. No. And I mean, these days, hopefully they would just be flooded with people yeah. that want to help. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, they were denied by like the Ronald McDonald house for stay, like all sorts what? of stuff. It was like insanity. My poor parents were raising three other kids, but like, oh, and hemorrhaging money, like hemorrhaging money, trying to keep everything afloat. Wow. And like, on, and so on top of like paying for my treatments, my parents also started every sort of holistic treatment they could think of. I yeah. mean, I had a different um, practitioner come into my house almost every day. That's amazing. Um, which back then, I, like you said, to your point, like where, how did they get access to all these people? Mm-hmm. I don't know. But my mom, like, because at the time we lived in Blanding, Utah, which is like, oh, wow tiny tiny place i don't even know where that is yeah. and i've lived in utah for like and this was 25 years, years ago by the four corners like we were in oh the middle gosh. of nowhere and so we wow. were there two years and then my parents moved me moved my whole family to saint george because there was a cancer treatment center there wow um but yeah it's just amazing like wow the things they were able to do and so basically at 14 um the doctor said, you know, it's in her lungs. It's now in her other organs. Like we can't stop this. Wow. So and what were the treatments that you were doing? You were doing the radioactive. Just radiation. Oh, just radiation. So chemo for whatever reason, they didn't think 
would work mm-hmm. on anything. Thank Kevin. Seriously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Probably saved your life. And that's why, so at 14, it had spread so far mm-hmm. that they were just like, we can't stop it, but mm-hmm. we can try chemo. And my yeah. mom and dad said no. Mm-hmm. And I just want to give you guys a price on chemo. So I know specifically for Tristan's chemo, it was about $50,000 per infusion. Mm-hmm. So the, the normal protocol for like colorectal cancer is minimum 12 infusions. So that times $600,000. Yeah. It's ha- yep. Just over half a million dollars. Like, but that's I a only lot of money. did four. So you only did four. I know. I but like, cheap. but like the other, like <laughs> other people, right? Like <laughs> right. insurance companies loved you. Um, no, like, but it's just, it's so, ex- we're not talking like maybe $10,000, no. $50,000 in infusion. So yeah. sorry, I cut you off. So, um, so at 14, they basically said we've maxed out our radiation. Mm-hmm. What did they radiate? If you don't mind me asking. Um, well, it, it was just a pill. So you took the pill and your whole oh, okay. body would go radioactive. Oh my gosh. Okay. Oh, interesting. So I would be in the hospital for about a week. I actually got it down to where I learned if I didn't eat food and I just drank a ton of water, mm-hmm. I could get out of there in two to three days. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so and you're starving yourself. Basically, because even if I ate, I would throw up. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. So even if I threw up, they came in and made me take a new a new tr- a new dose. They didn't know you weren't eating. Uh-uh. Oh gosh! <laughs> I actually got to the point where I told them not to bring food into the room. Wow! Like I would take in like hard candies to suck on and stuff because your mouth gets so dry. Uh-huh. But like I mean, there was times where my TV was broken because anything you brought in there would have to either be burned or like yeah. be set aside for. How did they administer the pill to you? Because it's so radioactive. They, so they're in basically a hazmat suit. <laughs> oh no. Oh my talk, gosh. Talk about like at 10 being like, what in the actual hell is happening? Right. Where's, You're like, where's my hazmat parents suit? Parents are behind like a glass wall. No one can see you no for days. No one can see you for days. And there's this guy that's not friendly at all. Right. That's just oh like gosh. in this hazmat suit with these giant gloves on and is like with these tweezer things and handing you this pill and saying, okay, take this and don't throw it up. Oh my gosh. So real quick reality check here. We are sitting in a room with Monica. She looks perfectly healthy and alive. So this had a happy outcome to it, right? So so us kind of laughing as we're going into these gruesome details is because we know how the story ends. But this really in reality is just an awful, awful thing. I cannot imagine Mm -hmm. as a 10 year old child, a 12, 14 year old child going through all of this and coming out intact. The amount of trauma must have been just (laughs) overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting the older you get and like, I have two kids now, which also a miracle, miracle babies. Cause yeah. I was given less than 1% chance to ever have my own kids. And wow. wow. If, they, if they were to be born, they would be ill is yeah. what I was told, but they're both perfectly healthy and happy and amazing. So awesome. amazing. But having my daughter be basically the same age I was 25 mm-hmm. years ago when this all started, like yeah. this year has been so much inner child healing. Yeah. <laughs> that, and that's fi- what finally brought me to this point of being able to talk about it openly is I look at her, I look at what my poor mother was going through. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. my dad, obviously, but like being a mom now mm-hmm. and seeing that and having a whole new appreciation of like, totally. you literally saved my life. Like, yeah. and what I think was even more powerful than everything my mom did was 
that my parents gave me positive reinforcement. Oh my gosh. There was never like a, Hey, you're going to die. Or like, Mm -hmm. they never cried about like, this is the end of your life. Mm -hmm. It was, what do you want to do with your life? Yeah. Where do you want to go? What do you want to be? Like, we never talked in terms of this is going to win. Yeah. That's amazing. And I think to me, that's the most important take from it all is raising our children to know their bodies well enough. Mm Mm-hmm. And to be grounded enough that they know that they're more powerful than any disease. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. My, so. Oh, go ahead. So backing up because there's still more to this story. <laughs> there's, there's so, so much, much to the story. We, we kind of jumped out at the yeah. at the critical point there. I keep getting chills. Like every time you you like load a new, you guys, I don't know any of this because we've just had these brief encounters. So I'm hearing this for the first time as well. And I just keep getting chills everywhere. Sorry. Keep going. Go. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> that honestly, this is, this whole thing is so incredible. So, so you're in the middle of this. Things are super dire. Maybe one of the, the really positive things happening for you is that you are not necessarily intentionally, but you're doing some water fasts throughout this whole process, right? Two Uh to three day water fasts, which we now know are incredibly helpful for fighting cancer and all kinds of immune Mm -hmm. benefits. But at the time it was just because you didn't want to be in the hospital. (laughs) Just because I was like, I'm done with this. (laughs) It was just by default. It's so amazing. Talk about like divine intervention almost. And that's what I feel like it is. I do Mm -hmm. feel like my body was purposely making me throw it up every time I would eat Mm -hmm. to like teach me how to preserve itself, to preserve itself. Yes. And like, you know, my parents would worry a little bit because I wasn't eating. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was so small that they were worried that, you know, I was getting malnourished and all these things. But my mom, as soon as I would get out of the hospital, it would be all, you know, juicing and everything was natural. And like, she went overboard to make sure that I replenished my nutrients and my body's needs. And so I think it did work, you know, Mm -hmm. exactly how you're saying is Mm -hmm. because I didn't come out of the hospital. My parents didn't say, okay, let's go to McDonald's. It was okay. Here's a juice. Here's, you know, some nuts. Here's like these berries. Whole foods. Whole foods. I mean, funny enough, my parents had owned a gas station growing up and we were never allowed to get anything from the gas station. That's awesome. <laughs> like that's so just amazing. Goes to show they uh, had cameras so they could watch us if we tried to go steal any candy. Put <laughs> the would, Slurpee back. Literally call and be like, "Get Monica on the phone or get Jacqueline that's, on the phone. You're supposed to put that away." That's <laughs> amazing. So you learn not to try to steal the candy. Yeah, yeah. But, so you're 14. They've basically said nothing is working. This radiation, it's still spreading. So basically at that point they said, let's try chemo. And my mom and dad were like, no. And so they, my parents are very religious. They went and, you know, kind of prayed and did their thing. And they came to the solution that they were just going to tell me I was better and stop all doctor's appointments. Wow. And just let me live out my life. If that was like, my path. So the doctors told your parents she's going to die. And then your parents turned around and said, you're You're all better. better. You're healed. Wow. And so they told my parents I had less than about 18 months to live is what they assumed. Mm -hmm. 12 to 18 months. So I was 14, like 14 and a half. I had to tell about 16, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, I hadn't been in school for four years. 
hadn't mm-hmm. been around kids in four years. Didn't mm-hmm. I mean, cause every time you would go through a treatment, there was a two week release of the radiation. So you couldn't be around people. So right. I was like isolated in my room at home. I couldn't even be around my siblings. So I had like wow. a week between treatments where I could be around people. I was the most socially awkward person you'd ever mm-hmm. met. <laughs> I still have my moments where I'm like, I don't know. How to talk to people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they put me back in school in wow. a new school. Cause we had moved, you know, during this time. Yeah. And I went into school not telling anybody anything about me having had cancer. There's, I've started to talk about it more online and Mm -hmm. there's been girls I was friends with that have come out and been like, I had no clue. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Like I had no clue you had cancer, let alone like, wow. Terminal cancer. Right. Um, they just thought I was awkward. (laughs) <laughs> or, or bitchy because I was so shy. Like I got that oh. a lot. Like, oh, I just thought you were bitchy. I'm like, no, I just didn't know how to talk. I got that a lot too growing up. People always accused me of being stuck up. Yeah, I was just terrified just all really, the time. Yeah. You're like, I was just scared of you. Uh-huh. <laughs> so for that whole time, so for about two to three years, it was almost three years, um, I was still seeing all my holistic uh, practitioners. Yeah. So I had, I mean, a kinesiologist, a masseuse, a reflexologist, a holistic healer, I mean, shaman, all these things that would come into my house Mm -hmm. after school every day. I had an appointment, like I knew I had to go home. Wow. Sometimes I'd do my homework during the appointment because they would just do their thing while I was doing it. But Mm -hmm. I mean, my afternoons were with somebody like some sort of healer. Yeah. You were living where at this point? St. George. St. George. Okay. All right. So my parents just told me, oh, this is just preventative. We just want to keep your body mm-hmm. healthy. They didn't indicate that it was like still there's still- But what was oh. funny is I was in tune enough to know that that wasn't true. Oh. But we all just played the game of like, no, it's gone. Wow. Because I could tell wow. with my reflexologist when he'd be breaking down tumors or he'd be breaking down. You can feel that. Like wow. there's no denying it. It's very real feel it but you know the words that were spoken the sentiment behind it was always you're fine your body's healing or Mm -hmm. healed it's it's all good and so then when i was 17 right after my 17th birthday um they decided we're gonna go see a doctor just to get one more scan yeah because at this point you'd made it three years and they're like well Jeez, this is twice as long as they said she would make it. So might as well check, right? Yeah. So we go back to the doctor and his response upon us walking in was, I can't believe she's still alive. (laughs) Sometimes Ah. I wish doctors would just keep their mouth shut. Yeah. Because they can say some of the most damning stuff ever. And like, and it's so traumatizing. It's like they have no clue about social cues. And And like, luckily for some of us we're we've been grounded enough to, to be able to take those words and erase them or move them away or not let them absorb. But so many people don't know how to do that because they're terrified. They're terrified for their lives. And then doctors say something like that and it just triggers them in the wrong well, direction. And the doctor is in this case mm-hmm. to so many people, God, yeah. quote unquote, like the, the, the doctor's totally. telling me I'm sick, I'm dying, I'm, I'm sick, I'm dying. Totally. Like versus like, no, a doctor is just a person. Mm-hmm. They are not the determining factor of whether or not I'm going to live or die. Mm-hmm. They yes. can tell me what they've been told in school. Mm-hmm. That's all they can tell me. Yep. And like, Thank goodness my parents had implemented that into my 
psyche by this point because hearing him say that, I was kind of like, you're like, well, that's whoa, that's weird. Wait a second. <laughs> Super weird. I'm yeah. supposed to be dead. I don't want to see you either. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't even want to be here. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So they did a scan then and it was virtually all gone. There Amazing. was a couple small spots left. But when you see the scan from when I was 14 to the scan when I'm 17, like the one is just wow. everywhere. And the 17, I've got a couple of spots. So we did one last small third shot, third mm-hmm. dose of radiation mm-hmm. at 17. But because most of my healing did not come from a traditional mm-hmm. doctor, mm-hmm. Um, on my medical records, it's still not remission because wow. they can't, they, they don't feel comfortable saying that because it wasn't through their methods. So, so like, you, you officially even, still have cancer. I still have cancer. Like today, uh-huh. you're saying. Uh-huh. What? I was just actually wow. at my annual midwife appointment and yeah. I could see the computer screen. It says um, active neoplasm of thy- uh, thyroid. <laughs> Even though there's nothing on a scan. There's nothing. Like they uh, can't see a single no. thing. That's that's fine. Let them yeah, think that's, that. That's, that's totally fine. Yeah. They can have that. They have they to believe that. They have mm-hmm. to. Their, their worldview demands would, it. Yeah. Otherwise it would shatter into yeah. a million pieces. Well, yeah, Cause they can't, they can't say, well, I did it or right. this treatment did it or cause they, the guy literally said to my parents, well, what have you been doing? Where were you taking her for treatment? Mm-hmm. And they said, we just took her home and loved her and told her she was better and we fed her healthy. And Amazing. we, you know, we took care of her soul basically. Yes. And he was just like, that doesn't work. Except it did. <laughs> like, and it works So all the it time. says in my medical record that I had had to have been getting treatment somewhere outside of the United States. Are you kidding me? Wow. So wow. of course, they, of course, your family it. lied. Wow. That's the only answer. There's no, oh goodness. So, you know, and okay. Wow. I'm still processing everything you're telling me right now because it's so amazing. Um, and it just like, what your parents did is like the motto of my life of where thoughts go, energy flows, yep. mm-hmm. you know? And I truly believe that if you are saying I am fighting cancer, you're always going to be battling. Mm-hmm. But I remember Tristan, he would always correct me. And I'd be like, you're, you're, what was it? She, I would say you, you would say you have cancer basically. Mm-hmm. That, that was what you said. And I would Same correct there. you and say no had. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and it took me a while to change that shift. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, but I truly believe that it, it, just like your experience, you know, what Tristan did when we scanned him a year ago is considered impossible, mm-hmm. right? Like, no, the natural therapies can't be working. What people don't, like people see the chambers, people see the ozone th- sauna, they see the nutrition that we're eating online. What they don't see is the mental healing that has to happen. And that like is the deprogramming. 90% of the work, 90% of the work mm-hmm. happens that's spiritually, exactly, emotionally. Exactly what I wanted to say. Like yes. that's, it does matter what you're putting into your body, but mm-hmm. that's almost a fraction. Yes. That's a 5% of the total like mm-hmm. cure. Yep. 90% is what you're telling yourself. Yes. And, and honestly, are telling you. even that five, 10% is the result of where your thoughts are, mm-hmm. right? Because you wouldn't be putting that into your body. You wouldn't be saying no to the fast food, the mm-hmm. really tasty candy. If you didn't believe that saying no to that was good healing for you, you and healing yeah. you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, but like if you're constantly battling cancer and you're terrified and then doc, like I, I just hated our appointments with the oncologist. I hated the scan anxiety, right? Exactly. That's what they call it. The scan anxiety. I mean, 
every time he would get tested, I would be sick for up to a month. Like that's how like, and so I can't imagine what he was going through. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so what we literally tell people is like, we emancipated ourselves from the medical community. Like we couldn't do that anymore. That experience was killing us. Yeah. More so than the chemotherapy, more so than the radiation. I tell people this all the time. I may have even said it on the podcast, but the day of my last scan, I got really sick, like literally came down with a really bad cold Mm -hmm. and my toenails went so funky. And I know this is a really weird thing that happened, but like my toenails went all nasty and rigid and jagged. And you can see the mark on my nails as it's been growing out that kind of mm-hmm. indicates that day. That's yeah. how I know how I know how long it's been since mm-hmm. that skin. It's that crazy. Sense, so 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 let's get back to your story though. So yeah. your parents because I know people are dying to know all the kinds of treatments. So you said shamans, reflexologists, like foot zoners. Yeah, so foot zoner. That was probably one of my biggest. I mean, he would come in two to three times a week. Wow. And um how did your mom pick him? She just fell into it. How did they like, find them down in St. George in yeah. 1990? You know, St. George is a really strange like hub of really holistic slash spiritual slash crunchy people. Is that true? I, I think it's because of the Mount, you know, you've got Zion, you've got all mm-hmm. these like natural beauties around. And so I think there is some this truth is, to that. This is me going a little like woo woo, but I really <laughs> think there's like a lot of spiritual energy in St. George. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were actually talking before the podcast, like that's why I moved to the mountains. Cause I feel mm-hmm. like there's a lot of spiritual ancient energy here. And that's why I was like, I just have to get here. Like I just need to, like when I drive home every day, it's like I'm coming home to a sanctuary, sanctuary. you know? And so sorry, I cut you off that, No, and that's exactly what we were talking about before the podcast. Um, my parents had the option of coming up to Salt Lake, which was where all my treatments were being done at the time, mm-hmm. okay. but they were drawn, they'd never been to St. George, but they were drawn to St. George and they, wow. they felt into that. And, Amazing. and so we ended up there kind of overnight. Like it was one day to the next we moved. And I I think I told you this, but we were supposed to be moving to Argentina Mm -hmm. like a year prior. And like, that's when they found my cancer and all these things. But to that point, like everybody has a different healing space. And I think it's so important for people's homes to be their healing sanctuaries. And Mm -hmm. so many people live in chaos and in places that don't bring them peace. Yeah. And they wonder why they're so full of like depression and anxiety and all of these things. And a Mm. lot of times it does come down to your home. Yeah. Yeah. And what is your home to you? Mm -hmm. If your home is full of, you know, fighting and Mm -hmm. your kids fighting and, and a lot of that comes down to how your body feels. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it's such a circle. I I do real estate for a living now, which is so funny because I never wanted to have a, career where I had to speak to people because I'm so awkward. <laughs> and you're totally not by no, the way. That's literally <laughs> like your this. life is being yeah. a socialite, <laughs> so, right? <laughs> so now I have to like be extroverted for work, mm-hmm. but then as soon as work's done, then I'm home and I'm by myself. Yeah. <laughs> recharging. Yeah, recharging. For the next time you have to interact with yeah. people. <laughs> but like I've taken my career and tried to make it something more than just finding a house. For me, helping connect people to the proper healing space or their Mm -hmm. sanctuary or the place that they need to be for their mental, emotional, physical healing is so important. And so many people don't even know that they're missing that. Yeah. Yep. And 
it's interesting when you get sick with something major, how much your home plays into that, Mm -hmm. like how much your space and what you surround yourself with plays into that. Totally. And like, even with design and stuff, like I tell people, you know, bring things into your home that speak to you. Don't just buy something from target because it's cool. Like what does that do for you? Yeah. Like if you walked into my house, it's like crystals everywhere. I love (laughs) age everywhere. My kids have crystals all over their nightstands. Like, but that's what speaks to me. That's what heals us. Yeah. And we still and protect our home every day. Like we sage it. We, all these things. And my kids have been raised in that. So they're comfortable now walking around the house, saging the doors. And so great. And I think, you know, if we can make our homes a healing space, Mm -hmm. like, that's then we heal. so important because exactly. we can heal anything in that space. Well, and even more so than homes relationships, like if yeah. you need to cut yourself off from people that are toxic to you, mm-hmm. relationships that are toxic to you, um, like that's so important because nothing is more uh, valuable than your health and your wellness, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, or put in the work to fix the relationship, fix right? it, yes. where possible. If possible, yeah. absolutely. Because fixing those relationships are so much more rewarding. But um, but you can't, so I just want to say this, you can't do the emotional work for you and that other person too. Yeah. So take that to an account. Like if yeah. they can't show up for you and transform and heal with you, then you can't drag them across that bridge. It's no. just not going to happen. And so I do, because I feel like as women, we feel like it's our duty to please everyone, to be friends with everyone, to like put our own backs on the line to make sure everyone else is happy. Mm-hmm. And what I want to tell you women out there, because I think primarily our audience is women, like you don't have to do that. Like you need mm-hmm. to protect yourself. You need to put yourself first and create boundaries. You know, like even this morning, like I was, I was telling my friend Nicole, I'm like, it is so hard creating boundaries with my children. Mm-hmm. You know, even with them, like they, they want me to play with them on demand. They want me to get them food on demand. They want me to, you know, stop everything I'm doing on demand to, to appease their, their needs. Mm -hmm. And the hardest thing I've had to learn is yes, sweetie, as soon as I'm done, I'll, I'll see to your attention. Like I'll see to your needs, you know? So even creating boundaries with our children, healthy boundaries, you know, we don't have to like lash out, but um, I just, I just want people to be really, really um, gentle with themselves when it comes to creating healing spaces and healing relationships. Well, and I think that's so important to do prior to mm. us ever having to get sick, yes. right? Like, oh my gosh, yes. We can prevent so much of this if we're actively doing those things mm-hmm. and those things are practically free. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Where once we're sick and we're in that mm-hmm. phase- Everything's expensive. Yeah, everything's expensive. So mm-hmm. you can prevent so much yeah. by being proactive. Like don't wait until you get a diagnosis. Exactly. So on that topic, I've been- Really curious to know, to what do you attribute your parents' ability to do that? What had they done leading up to that experience that they were able to basically navigate the whole thing perfectly? So one thing I'll say, my parents always made it a priority to like talk through things. Mm -hmm. And I think had they not had a solid foundation going into this, my dad could have very easily looked at my mom and been like, you're nuts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, because it wasn't the way my dad was raised. My dad was raised on a cattle farm, like Mm. straight up cowboy. My mom's saying, you know, cow products are are causing more issues for her. We have to cut out all animal product. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. You guys have probably read the China study, but Mm -hmm. that came out kind of after all this. Yeah. 
started and my mom had basically taken the approach that they take in that book of like she I don't know where she had read it but like that cow milk could mimic your your body's hormones Mm -hmm. and if it's a hormonal cancer it can um yeah cause it to multiply really fast yeah so she cut all that out I mean and you're talking about a farmer (laughs) my Mm -hmm. dad's like a farmer and my mom's like no right that's all bad yeah Mm. you know and so yeah so um, he had to trust her a lot. He had a to lot. trust my mom. Are you still vegan or vegetarian today? So I'm or- not straight. I know I still, I eat meat now mm-hmm. more, um, mm-hmm. but it's usually like organic. I'll do yeah. like bison, salmon mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we don't, my kids, funny enough, my son basically from the time he was born decided he was vegetarian. Wow. <laughs> Anytime you would, put meat or an animal product in his plate he would chuck it across the room (laughs) oh my gosh and i would have to ask his pediatrician like is this normal he's like i've never heard of a self-proclaimed one-year-old vegetarian (laughs) but like what are you gonna do right exactly but so no i try to just make sure what we eat is clean yes um i try to find balance in everything that's one thing i've learned is if if you are too over the top with Mm -hmm things you'll drive yourself crazy and you driving yourself crazy is going to make so you sick. True. Mm-hmm. So, so true. I, I mean, and I'm a single mom. So like for me, there's gotta be so much balance in like what I do. Mm-hmm. Otherwise what we eat takes up, you know, 90% of my day. And yes. then I'm like, Oh wait, I got to go work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. So I've just tried to find this like level of balance. And like, I mean, my kids have been raised in a way that, I give them a little bit of option, but not too much. Like, I mean, on Halloween, they go trick-or-treating. They get all the candy. I leave it out. They Mm -hmm. don't eat it. Cause they're just like, it doesn't make That's me feel so good. That's so great. Wish I could say that. About our <laughs> I know. Kids. They, they, like they know they feel sick after they eat it. Yeah. But, um, but not enough that we they have would... like this candy bucket that's like up on the shelf. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause every few months I have to just chuck stuff. Cause I'm like, Cause it goes nobody bad. eats this. That's so great. Yeah. <laughs> because they don't ever get it down. But yeah. I mean, they have their things that right. aren't the best, like goldfish or something. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, you know, it, it's about balance. Totally. Like if you, if you freak them out at such a young age, like with me, I had, my parents had to be so strict that like, there was a phase when I was like, you know, 18 to 21 where I was like, screw this. I'm going to eat whatever yeah. I want because it was just like this weird, like I didn't ever get the choice almost. Yeah. So like, as soon as it was like my decision, mm-hmm. I mean, and I never ate that bad, but like, it was more appealing for a minute. Yeah. And I think when you over restrict kids too much, Mm -hmm. they're going to swing the other way and find some balance again. Mm -hmm. Or they go to their friend's house and they're like, I'm going to eat all the things. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) But when they know for themselves that it's not a good thing, then it's better. So it's, it's guiding them with their intuition. Like that's what I try to do with my kids is we try to talk a lot about, well, what does this make you feel like Mm -hmm. for a second? It makes you feel good. Yeah. But then you don't feel good. Yes. And like, so they, they're aware. Empowering them with knowledge mm-hmm. around their bodies. I I think I said this in one of my other podcasts, but I feel like Tennyson has more body intuition than the average adult. Mm-hmm. You know, like he notices like when he, like he'll say, my, sometimes my brain just makes me do things, mm-hmm. you know, because it's tired or, you know, like, and you don't typically hear five-year-olds utilize those kinds of words, you know? And so teaching them now like body intuition 
educating them now about nutrition and food and like the chemistry of the body, you know, it's Mm -hmm. so important. So I kind of want to get back to your story. Mm -hmm. So very minor spots when you were still a teenager and then you kept getting blood work, right? So I kept getting blood work. And so the, the marker they were checking for my particular cancer was the thyroglobulin levels. And those, when I was sick, were like in the tens of thousands and then down into the thousands. And then by the time we got that treatment, when I was 17, it had hit around 120 to 190 was where it was kind of sitting. Mm-hmm. And can you tell listeners and, what a normal and, range is? And yeah, normal range is between zero and 31.8. Okay. And so mine just bounced around between there for 17 years. And so I would continually have every primary care doctor say, you need to go get, I talked to an endocrinologist and and they think you still have cancer. Mm, And I would have to educate them and say, if you want to look back at all my records, this is, this is actually maintenance level for me. Mm -hmm. And I've had every doctor ever say, you'll never be able to get this into a normal level. So for the last couple of years, I've really been like, consciously working on it and like mm-hmm. working through like inner child stuff and working through things with a kinesiologist. And so when you say working on it, you mean spiritually, spiritually working on it? Yeah. Okay. Are you doing any treatments or it's mostly spiritual? It's mostly healing. just spiritual. So I have a kinesiologist Amazing. I see um, up in Salt Lake about every month or mm-hmm. every couple of weeks, depending on what's going on. But so he works with my body, talks to it. Like we, we figure things out and, and I've been on like some supplements and mm-hmm. some drops and tinctures and things. I think listeners are going to want to know who this kinesiologist so is. His name's Dr. Branham with Premier Branham. Wellness. He's okay. amazing. Okay. Um, my, my whole family goes to him for everything. I mean, Very cool. and what's amazing is so many of us don't realize that we are trapping emotion into our body and that continues to hold these totally. like little bits of, whatever's happening, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a reason why my levels were maintaining at a certain level. And mm-hmm. it's because my inner child wasn't fully healed. Right. I it hadn't was- fully said, you know what? You're safe and protected and I have you and you're going to be okay. Like yeah. I hadn't taken the time to, to, to actually go there because it was so scary for me Totally. to put myself back in that place because there was that small subconscious trigger where I was like, the second I would start putting myself there, I would get scared and be like, but what if I got it again? Mm -hmm. And like start thinking all the terrible things. So I would just avoid dealing. Yeah. And so he finally kind of has made me actually do it. And I think by nature and by, you know, some huge miracle, my daughter just so happened to be the exact same age this mm-hmm. year that I was when this all happened. And to be able to physically see a representation of basically what I was yeah. in that moment, to be able to hold her mm-hmm. and say, you're like, fine. you're fine and work through that in my head. And yeah. she's very aware. She's she's very intuitive and clairvoyant and she can read my thoughts like this. And Amazing. so she's, she knows what's happening and we're communicating about it and- so two weeks ago, I had my latest blood work done and I sat with my kinesiologist the day before and he said, you don't have nothing to be worried about because mm-hmm. I always get extreme anxiety like totally about these because mm-hmm. I, I always know the, the conversation I'm going to have to have with the doctor because they're going to say, you need to go see this person and you need mm-hmm. to do this and you probably need another treatment and, yep. and I have to be the one to be strong enough to say no. So my throat chakras had like started to close down already and all these mm-hmm. things and so- He's like, let's work through that. 
So we start working on my throat chakra and he looks at me. He's like, you're totally fine. I hope you know that you're totally fine. And I'm like, I know, but it's different to, <laughs> to say that. And then to like have to, have to see these reports. And he's mm-hmm. like, you're fine. And so I go get the, the blood work and it comes back like almost immediately that day. And wow. this is actually on Halloween night. I'm like putting my kids to bed. So just and, like a couple weeks yeah. ago. Uh-huh. And I'm, I have this, long ritual with my kids at night, but I'm putting my son to bed and I was, he's kind of falling asleep. So I look on my phone at the, my health hub. Yeah. And for the first time ever, my thyroid levels had dropped to normal range. Ooh. Isn't that amazing? That's awesome. Yeah. Congrats. I knew the punchline because you texted yeah. me, but so <laughs> that's te- the part of well, like, I, I did it. I texted you almost immediately <laughs> after like the next day. I was like, I have to tell you. Yes. Wow. Isn't that um, amazing? That is incredible. Absolutely kind of incredible. incredible, right? So yeah. even the midwife called me and was just like, this is the first time I'd seen her, but I like warned her, right? I'm like, okay, it's going to come in at this. So don't mm-hmm. freak out. Like blah, blah, blah she called me and she's like everything's normal yeah. like everything's normal like you're totally normal yeah, yeah. she's like that's so exciting it's so like, amazing I'm oh like, my yeah. gosh so I've got a question that it's maybe an obvious answer here but you still have your thyroid no so they okay. fully removed it All right, so yeah. it is gone yeah so when I was 10 that that was what they removed was my full thyroid and mm-hmm. they scraped everything else um, but yeah, so that night I called my parents. I mean, it was like 11 o'clock at night. I think they thought something was wrong when they oh. answered the phone. And I'm like, I have to tell you something. And so I think they were like prepared for me to be like some, somebody's dying or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. And I, so I told them and my mom started crying. Oh. And, so amazing. And they were just like, well, we always knew you were better, but yeah. this is just like confirmation, you know, yes. like 18 years of being told you're, you still should be getting treatment. You still should be doing right. this. You still should be doing that. I mean, but everything in my life has just been one big mm. miracle after another. Yeah. Like the kids not being yeah. sick. And, and so with them, like, I don't know how aware you guys are of like the whole story of Jesus and when he was born and like the frankincense and what that in, that was meant for. But I don't know what it was meant for. Frankincense no. was meant to seal off the cords oh, okay. of illness and sickness from oh. from past generations like the ancestral oh. ancestral oh, line of of illness okay cool. i've never known I that and now i'm thinking like oh we need that <laughs> so that's so frankincense was a huge part of like my healing my yeah. my parents used like the oil lot, or the did oil. you like okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but like beyond that so like with my kids i spent years like mentally and emotionally like preparing my body and saying when these kids come, we were not going to pass these generational lines down. Like yes. we're going to stop that and heal it and, and, and stop it with me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once again, I was told, A, you'll never have kids. B, if they do, if they come, they'll be really sick. Yeah. And wow. I had, I was married at the time and we didn't prevent trying to have a baby for mm-hmm. over five years. And I had this vision and I woke up and told my then husband, like, we're going to have a little girl. She's going to be curly haired. She's going to be sassy as can be. Wow. And he was like, there's no way. Yeah. And four weeks later, we were, we found out we were pregnant. Amazing. <laughs> and oh my gosh. so like, and she is the epitome of health and happiness and all of these things. So I just really want to point out right now, like, 
you and your parents for years are creating a narrative. Mainstream medicine is creating another narrative. Mm-hmm. I want listeners out there, if you haven't gone through this cancer journey, and I hope you never do, like how hard the battle of the stories is in your life. Like, because we have so much like subconscious, um, we give so much authority subconsciously to doctors Mm -hmm. that if they say something, even though you don't want to believe it and you know that they're just a person, there's some part of you that puts them on a God platform and Mm -hmm. like subconsciously you take that message to heart. So for you, for years, listening to these doctors saying, you still have cancer, you still need to get tested, you still need to do radiation. And then you having to rewrite your own story. And we talk about creating our stories a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, so you rewriting your story, you're living your story, you're trying to completely sever ties to all the other stories, these godlike complexes Mm -hmm. are trying to tell you. And what I mean by that, I mean the doctors. Exactly. You know, that takes an enormous an enormous amount of energy, an enormous amount of self-discipline, um, an enormous amount of like intuition and healing. And lest you doubt us, dear listeners, there is actually a story going on right now that illustrates just how bad this situation can get. There's, I, I wish I had my phone on me so I could look up details, but if you ever just go look up the hashtag, bring Noah home, there's this absolutely heartbreaking story of this couple and their their child who was diagnosed with uh, some kind of leukemia and they were at uh, Johns Hopkins down in Florida at a children's Johns Hopkins hospital and the doctors told them you need to do this chemo treatment whatever protocol but uh, the hospital was so terrible they have 30 documented instances of how they were mistreated and neglected at this hospital and of course, they were not happy about that. Who was mistreated and neglected? This the family. family? Mm-hmm. Okay. The family with the, the child who was diagnosed with leukemia. Yeah. And so they were not obviously thrilled about being told what to do in this situation. They said, we want to get a second opinion. Oh, yeah. I know this family. Just for challenging the doctors at this hospital, the doctors, seeing their power being threatened decided that they were going to take custody away from this family. Mm-hmm. So they called Child Protective Services, whatever the agency is in mm-hmm. Florida, and this couple has their child taken away from them. Right. This happened way back in like June, May, something like that. Mm-hmm. To this day, they still don't have their child back. Oh it's gosh. devastating. And all they did was ask for a second opinion. All right? These are not parents that said, no, we're going to forego treatment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These were not parents who said, we don't want to vaccinate. They literally just said, you've been jerks to us. We want to talk to another hospital. Mm-hmm. And that was all it took. Isn't and, that awful? And now they're having their family ripped apart. Like, it's it's that's, terrible. That's the power that they have. Like that's the power that right. these doctors, like they physically have power over you. They have emotional power over you. Legal. Legal power mm-hmm. over you. They're, I mean, they did when I was 14, when they wanted to do that chemo, they, they threatened my parents with legal action, like to wow. take custody of me because my parents were refusing to come back and see them. Wow. And I don't, I don't think it went very far because my parents basically were just like, no. Right. Fortunately, I wonder, right? Yeah. But they, I wonder but if they that could happened have. To, today. If yeah. they would have taken you away, you know, you know it, I mean? it probably it depends the, on the, the hospital 90s. and probably yeah. depends on the doctor that you get. But yeah. but that's 
this idea of challenging the authorities, challenging the power that wants us to be unquestioning sheep. Mm -hmm. It's not just a personal thing. It's a Mm -hmm. political thing because Mm -hmm. the more they get away with it, the more they believe that they can continue to get away with it. That they Mm -hmm. are God. Right? Mm -hmm. Every single one of us that challenges that, even if it's just to ask another question Mm -hmm. that weakens their stranglehold on power, And that brings more power back to the people who are supposed to hold it, which is us, right? The patients, the the clients, the individuals, the families, the parents. Totally. Well, I mean, even my last, because I just have been having an OBGYN run my annual testing, my Mm -hmm. my blood work. Mm -hmm. And my last one, the reason why I'm now with a midwife, she was like, if you don't go see an endocrinologist, I'm... Like basically she was trying to force me into having to go see somebody else because she didn't feel like I was taking my health seriously. Seriously. And I was like, no, you're not like, I've been dealing with this since I was 10. Don't tell me that, you know, my health's better than I do. Well, and even given your history, it's like you have fought this off for 25 years. Who are you to say you're not doing it correctly when doctors gave you 18 months? Like, yeah. who the heck do you think you are that you think all of a sudden, because I'm in the room with you, you know better than me. Exactly. When I've had my body since I was born and I've been dealing with this for more than almost two thirds of my life. You've seen me a total of 20 minutes, but you know more. Like, like that blows my mind. Blows my mind. Now I'm getting really angry and I should calm down. So let's bring it back to the other side of that, which is that the reason why we want the power back in your hands Mm -hmm. as the patient, the individual, the parent, whatever it is, is because you know your body. You may have been taught not to trust it, right? Mm -hmm. You may be like me where you had your intuition completely erased from you while you were growing up, Mm -hmm. stripped away, exactly. But it doesn't mean it's gone. Right. And, and when people are able to get back in touch with that, like Monica Mm -hmm. has done, which is such a beautiful thing, you are able to basically facilitate miracles. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. You've had so many miracles in your life, Monica, Mm -hmm. but it's only because you and your parents put in the work to make that possible. We know, um, a, a guy who has ALS and, um, and they say he's a he's a walking miracle. And it's like, you have no idea how much work he's put in mm-hmm. to create that miracle. Like when we hear these cancer stories and like, oh my gosh, it's like spontaneous remission. It's like, you have no idea what these people have done to create that. Yeah. Because what you're, you're just reading a sentence, you're missing the hours, the months, the years worth of emotional work, physical work, spiritual work, mm-hmm. food work. You know what I mean? But, and that's what I say is like, you need to create your miracle. You have to bring it to you. You don't just sit there and be like, okay, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Like that. It doesn't work that way. Like that power is in you. Like it's your God given ability to create that because Mm -hmm. I really think spiritually we are co-creators in this life. You Mm -hmm. know, life, life doesn't just happen to you. You help manifest it. You help work it. You help attract things to yourself. And so when we're in these instances, you have to use all your energy, all your manifesting energy and abilities and capabilities to bring into your life what you want. So again, going back to my whole thing, where thoughts go, energy flows. Exactly. Yeah. So growing up every year, instead of making like New Year's resolutions, it would be like writing down manifestations of what your year would be like, but you speak them in terms of it's done. Love it. Mm. So like- Mm, I like that. I'm so, so like- Let's see, we're coming up on 2020. Mm-hmm. So like January 1, 
2020, I would write a letter as of January 1, 2021 that mm-hmm. says this year, I'm so grateful that this, this, this happened, happened and that happened. And one of the things in there was that my levels were normal for this year. Amazing. You know, I mean, yeah. I write everything in there, like trips I want to take my kids on mm-hmm. or things that don't seem attainable. My, my home was one where I was like, there's no way I can afford it this year, but I wrote it into there and we closed on the house December 15th of that year. Like, you know, it's just, there's so much to be said for what we put into the universe. And if we do use this negative talk with ourselves, with our children, with our spouses, Mm -hmm. with whoever is around us, that's what you're going to get. Like you can, you can write down the great words, Mm -hmm. but if you're not speaking those words and you're using the negative talk for yourself, totally you're, you're, Soul doesn't know what you actually want. Yep. All it sees is negativity. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the thing is that you can put in the work and if you have the negativity, it's just work, Yeah. right? You're yeah. battling upstream mm-hmm. when you do that. Exactly. But when you combine the putting in the work with the getting into that positive frame of mind, mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. already abundant mindset, mm-hmm. it feels good. Because, it's so natural. It's effortless. Yeah. Well, because the soul doesn't, communicate through words it communicates through vibration mm-hmm. it communicates through energy mm-hmm. that, that, that's just the theories of janique but um <laughs> you know and we like buy into it there, there you go you know but like and so so you can have all the right words but if you like vibrationally aren't matching that yeah. then you're not drawing it to you and it's not just words it's even actions mm-hmm. you can so, be going mm-hmm. through the motions but yeah. if yes. if you're not getting it up in the head mm-hmm. in your heart mm-hmm. then it's not going to bring fruit. Yeah. If it's not penetrating every cell in your body. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Like yes. I read something the other day and I can't remember what book it was, but it basically said like your cells will turn over every seven years. So mm-hmm. be careful what you're doing with mm-hmm. those cells every seven years. And yeah. it's interesting because I thought about it in terms of, so seven years ago would have been when my son was one. And so I've basically given my body a seven year break from like changes yeah. of like dramatic impact, you know, pregnancy or, mm-hmm whatnot. And over those seven years, I took that time to try to make it a positive. And I've really worked on like my meditating and my, you know, spiritual being and all of these things. And seven years later, here we are. And Mm -hmm. my levels are all normal. Normal. Like there's something to be said for that. And what you do with that seven years is, you know, up to you. Yeah, totally. I, man, like this whole podcast has been Amazing. Yeah, like, this has been so absolutely amazing. incredible. Yeah. Thanks for letting me come on. Um, before we do end though, I do want to say you guys like, so I know I make it sound like it's so easy to do this and um, you know, it's like, oh, you just get into the right frequency, but it's, it's so hard to override that subconsciousness. And so I just want to share what I used for myself and maybe you guys can share what mm-hmm. you worked for you. But um, I remember when I was in such a state of trauma that um, I had to use the same affirmations over and over again. So every time I was triggered, I had to listen and I, I didn't even have the bandwidth to create my own um manifestations. Mm -hmm. So I had to listen to something on YouTube. And so I would listen to it daily. And it was like two hours long because that's all I could do to help me not marinate in this negative self-talk of the, of like doom and gloom. And so when I started getting triggered, I would put these uh, affirmations on and I would just listen to it over and over and I'd say it out loud. And then I say some of it in my mind. And after about a month or two, it just, as soon as I got triggered, I just put that on and I immediately would 
like my state would alter completely. And then there was another thing that I did while doing that. Um, I started doing a course by Tony Robbins. Um, you know, they have like on the phone app or whatever. And he has this like 15 minutes or his hour of power. Mm-hmm. But like the 15 minutes, it was like this breath work. And then you're walking and like, and you're you're saying things like, Things like every day in every way, I'm feeling better and better. Every day in every way, I'm getting healthier and healthier. And so as I would walk around the neighborhood, I would like march around and like say that over and over and over until it just became like this prayer. And it like, you know, it synced with my energy of my my walk, my heartbeat, my tempo. And then the trauma got less and less and less the mm-hmm. more and more I practice that. So that's just something I utilized. I don't know if that manifests with anyone else. What is it that you guys have done? Because you guys were the ones that had cancer. And I know there's probably a lot of people listening today that have cancer or had cancer or have a loved one that has cancer. What did you guys do? I'll go first. And then I'll let you go, Monica. I, I, I've done a lot of things and it is kind of an evolving process. Always sort of just moving into the next thing that feels right. But two really important things that have helped me a ton. One of them, Abraham Hicks, Mm -hmm. which I think we've talked about before. Yeah. Kind of weird, but that's okay because it works really well for me. I love it. Abraham Hicks, go YouTube it. Uh, There's all kinds of videos, but it's really about uh, getting in the right frame of mind. It's, It's seeing the universe, seeing yourself, seeing the world around you in a way that promotes healing, promotes happiness, promotes whatever it is you want. Uh, another one that's really been helpful for me, uh, give a shout out to Candy Graves. She's a practitioner here in Utah and she does this, uh, it's kind of a, a trauma release process that has just been absolutely incredible for me. So I, I think she's fantastic. How can people reach Candy? I don't know. Um, Candy Graves. I, I don't have my phone, so I'm kind of useless with okay. data right now. <laughs> so you guys can just, yeah, but or reach out to us. You could, we'll... you could literally, I, I believe her, her business is called As You Think You Are. So if you go to uh, Facebook that. and search for As You Think You Are, Candy with a K, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll find her, but she's great. Cool. Monica, what was it that you did? Oh, man. Um, so I think for me, meditation has been huge. Um, kind of like what you said with the manifestations, the, the thought processes I have, I, anytime I'm triggered, I just say, I live a life of abundance of health, happiness, love, and wealth. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to worry about, you know, how being a single mom, how am I going to pay my bills or being a cancer survivor? How am I going to continue to maintain health? It's just, it is in that that I think has helped a lot. And I've trained my kids to do that as well. Um, another one is um, practicing gratitude. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have yeah. a journal. It's called the five minute journal. I think you can find it on Amazon, but it has question prompt questions and like a positive thought at the top. And so you're supposed cool. to write like the three things you're grateful for everything you every morning when you wake up and when you go to bed mm-hmm. And I think just remembering in those moments when we're, when we're allowing anxiety and, and the depths of pain or whatever you're dealing with in that day to take over that there's always things to be grateful for, even when you're super sick, even when you're, you know, dealing with treatments or kids or whatever it is that you're dealing with. If you're practicing gratitude, it, it does something for your body. It does something totally. for your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, another big one is just working out, getting oh, yes. up and using my body and saying, I'm grateful that I can do this. Yes. 
there, you know, there was a time I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. So to be able to do that every day, like there was a point where, you know, when my kids were home, I would feel like I shouldn't work out because that's taking away from them. And then what I finally came to an understanding of me practicing love for my body by working out and showing it gratitude that it works also shows my kids to be grateful for their bodies and to put that effort into their bodies too. So for me, those are, I think the biggest is just to make sure that we're practicing a lot of gratitude and, and manifesting and being intentional with our thoughts. And it's not easy. Like you said, the work has not been easy. It has not been an easy 25 years, (laughs) but it could have been so much harder, right? Like with, a different mindset. Totally. Is it fair to say it's also been a joyful 25 years? Yeah. yeah. And I think once again, that comes back to like, people find it funny how close I am to my kids sometimes, like, like friends and stuff. Cause I like prefer being with them over anybody, but it's because I have so much gratitude for them being in my life. Yes. Like I have so much gratitude for my parents and for my, my mm-hmm. siblings. Like my best friends are my sisters. My, you know, like it's, where we put our effort and our energy is where we're drawn and where we're happiest. And, yes. and, and I just think it's just, I wouldn't change anything. Somebody said, do you ever wish you didn't get sick? Yeah. And that's an interesting thing to say, right? Like it's the same, like, do you ever wish you didn't get divorced or do you ever, right. you know, well, no, cause I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be physically here with you guys right now. I wouldn't yeah. be mm-hmm. like, I don't know what my life would be and I'm grateful for what it is now. Yes. And I think as long as we live in the moment and are grateful for the moment, we don't have to fear what's coming, but we can be like proactive. Mm -hmm. Totally, totally proactive. Um, I've had people ask us that too. And I wonder at myself, like without the cancer, where would we be? And um, it's, it's so hard. It's so hard to, to put yourself in that space. I actually, for me, there's no question whatsoever. I would not take it back. And you yeah. see, and, I, and I'm and, the opposite where I'm like, you know, I really liked living blissfully like secure. There, there yeah. was, <laughs> there was some blissful ignorance, I suppose, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't take it back for anything in the world because where we are right now, this is yeah. what I've always wanted for my life. Well, and I wouldn't have this. And the truth to that though is, if you wouldn't have gone through it then, when would you have gone through it? Right. Because like, yeah. one in what, two people now is going to get cancer? Yes, right. actually. So like, mm-hmm. if we're able to get it in a phase of life where we're mentally and emotionally capable of handling it yeah. and we are able to come out on the other side and be able to be a force for good for others, mm-hmm. like that's driven me. So these last few weeks, my kinesiologist said to me, you know, your throat chakra keeps closing up. You have some big next step that your body's trying to make you take and you're scared. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, do you know what it is? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, what? (laughs) And I said, you know, I, I've known for years that my purpose, I I'm alive for a purpose. Yeah. And that purpose is to try to help other kids that are, that go through what I've gone through and to help those families find alternative treatment. Cause so many parents go into that and they are so sideswiped from their blissful ignorance life mm-hmm. yep. that they don't know how to start researching this. I'm blessed that my mom was raised in a situation where she was aware of these things and yeah. she had a, a constant awareness. And so it was an instant for her to just turn it around and start. Mm-hmm. But for so many of these parents, their kids get sick and the shoe drops and they don't know what to do. Yeah. And they're just looking to this 
godlike doctor to mm-hmm. to tell them how to fix the situation yep. or what to do and they yep. don't know that they have the power yeah to save their child or that mm. there are other tools to do it too exactly and and there are so many other tools and so, so my many. goal and I'm putting this out there now through the podcast and it's scary to even speak it <laughs> it's in the universe it's now still working it's there. but <laughs> I want to start a foundation for terminally ill well, that's awesome kids I love, I love that so to be able yes. to help um pay for, you know, the, the alternative treatments mm-hmm. and to be able to help guide their parents in what best treatments for their kid, for their yes. situation. And so I've been working with a few practitioners to start like a a group of practitioners that would help so support that. And they would kind of kick back some to the foundation. The foundation would work with them on these kids. And so it's a big undertaking and I'm sure it won't be easy and I'm sure it won't be fast but right. if anybody listening has any yeah any so so if serendipitously there is someone out there who mm-hmm. feels like they've got a piece of the puzzle for you how can they get in touch with you um my instagram handle is at monica underscore nicole n-i-c-h-o-l-e or my email address is just monica at monica draper.com Monica at MonicaDraper.com. All right. So anyone out there listening to this going, I can help. I know something. I know someone. The the ball is rolling. And I want it to happen. Like I have it in my, I know it's there and I know I've been shutting it down and I know now's the time Mm -hmm. to really put it in in full force because there are so many kids getting sick every day and these poor parents are so overwhelmed and I'm becoming more aware of them and like, I'm so empathic mm-hmm. that I sense so many people like in a room. I can tell you like this kid over here is starting to struggle. Like it, mm-hmm. it's starting to overwhelm my soul a yeah. little bit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. okay, like, I need to do something about this. <laughs> All right, I get it. <laughs> so so on that note, uh, if people want a real estate agent that mm-hmm. has a really incredible sense of intuition and yes. is empathic. I would love Can to they help get them. in touch with you the yeah, same way? Same Monica way at Monica um, Draper. Yeah. Or my number is four, three, five, three, one, three, seven, nine, zero five. And they, I mean, even if people just need to call and talk to somebody that understands what they're going through, yeah. like I am happy, like, you know, what you guys do of just advocating to like help people. Yes. yes. Um, I yeah. just want moms that are listening right now, like, to know like what Monica's mom did was more powerful than what all the doctors did combined. Mm-hmm. And like, that is you like she's, she's no one special. Like go and listen to my episode about uncredentialed women. Mm-hmm. You don't need to go to med school to do these things. You guys like the power is in you mm-hmm. and you just need to take it. And all like, and the point of this podcast is to mirror that to people mm-hmm. so they can hear stories like this and be like, what, I can do that? And it's like, yes, you absolutely can. And so your mom is just, she's such she's, a badass. She's an angel. Like so her. amazing. And I just, I want you women to feel brave. You know, it's okay. It's okay to go against the authority. If your soul, if your intuition is telling you something else. Well, that's, I mean, that I think that's the scariest part, right? We're raised in this, culture where you're not supposed to have a voice right like you're supposed to listen to the authority Mm -hmm. and in so many ways like there's you know around us there's a Mm -hmm. lot of authority Mm -hmm. 
And to be able to step out and say, no, that's yeah. not my truth. Yep. And you might think that, but that doesn't mean it's true for me. Totally. And, and I think keeping your chakras open yeah. is a very important thing because yes. you can't help others if you can't help yourself. Exactly. Oh my gosh, that's so, so true. So keep your chakras open, take your power back. Yes. Thank you so much, intuition. Monica. This, this was awesome. It was fantastic. Oh was my gosh. Fun. I am yes. really excited to get this I out told to you everybody. Would be. I told you guys I was terrified. I was like <laughs> yep. doing throat chakra clearing the whole way down. <laughs> this was fantastic. You flowed like you had done this a million times. Well, thank you because I was a little nervous. <laughs> no, you shouldn't have been. You were amazing. This has got to be one of my like most favorite episodes we've ever recorded like because well, your stories as long as it helps at least one person it's worth it it, it will. absolutely will no thanks question. you guys thanks for Thank listening you. until next week talk to you next time